Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're going to be taking a look at Netflix's Project Power, the Jamie Foxx, Joseph Gordon-Levitt film featuring superheroes um, that aren't really superheroes. Uh, we're also going to take a look at last year's Peanut Butter Falcon, uh, which is a really kind of sweet uh, spin on a Mark Twain tale starring Shia LaBeouf and Zach Gottsagan uh, and Dakota Johnson, too, uh, who's in that. We're going to talk about some trailers that are coming out, some new interesting things, and also some old things that are coming out because we haven't had any new movies in forever. But first things first, we need to talk about the news. Andy AMC theaters are opening <laughs> and they're supposed to be super cheap, right? I heard something about that. What do you what do you know? That's right. So at long last, uh, the big titan of theaters, AMC, is opening their theaters uh, this Thursday slash Friday. And they're bringing it back with uh, 15 cent films, which is a throwback to the, ni- the 1920s, which is, I guess, what it used to cost then. Uh, they're going to be opening about 300 uh theaters this is friday and they're gonna be showing a, a bunch of classics things like black panther back to the future ghostbusters uh star wars those kinds of things to uh get people back in the theater i'm i'm really intrigued by this 15 cent pricing uh, it's it's definitely sensational it makes for a good headline but like man when i was in high school i worked in amc theater for like three years and like dude behind the concession booth i caught so much flack from people back in my day people would say movies used to cost a nickel or whatever mm-hmm. right they used to, they used to only cost 15 cents on a quarter you could get a popcorn and a drink dude i got like harassed by older guests so on the one hand bringing it back to 15 cents is sweet on the other hand like it seems like some kind of cruel joke by management because these are this is the cream of the crop of raising prices in movie theaters it's amc it's these guys so like <laughs> i don't know there's something about it that bugs me i guess but I, I i think it's a sweet thing i'm sure people are interested right i mean it's a good stunt it's a good way to get some press to get people you know talking about going back to the theaters we are on the cusp of having new content in theaters to go see. Yeah. Uh, and it's definitely a clever way to just get people in the doors and say, Hey, theaters are open again. And it's kind of the same thing you remember because a lot of people haven't gone to movie theaters since this all started. A lot of people haven't. Um, so it's definitely, definitely a sensational way to kick things off. Are they doing any kind of discounted concessions or anything? Cause that's like Cinemark's whole bag. Um, I think that there are, they are going to be a little bit, uh, they're doing some reduced pricing. So that's also going to help. Mm. Um, like I said, anything to get people back in, uh, you know, depending on where you are in the country, uh, the pandemic numbers are, are better or worse, but, uh, you know, AMC and the other theaters are kind of going full steam ahead at this point. I do think it's interesting uh, when the last third of of AMC's theaters open up in uh, early September, they're going to be doing retro screenings just like Cinemark and Regal have been doing. And they're also going to be charging $5. I guess that's just like the sweet spot for old theaters, theater movies, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, I guess that's what the classics are worth. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, apparently. Uh, In other news, we have movies coming out. Tenet tickets are going on sale this Friday. August 21st, like d- days from recording this podcast. I can't believe it. Um, yeah, so so we're actually getting some early uh, screening tickets. So this Friday, early screening tickets will go on sale. And I think the early screens are actually next Monday uh, and Tuesday, possibly. And I think it's just one day, is, is or sorry, one screening. It's not even like um, the full day. Uh, so if, if you're excited about Tenet and can get get to the theater early that's definitely going to be happening but there's a big caveat here is that warner brothers is asking for a hefty 65 percent of the take of of the entire run of the film yeah which is much much higher than normal typically uh distributors get a good fair chunk right because they're obviously the ones that make the film but they have to hand this off to the movie theaters and they charge a take a cut and i think usually that's something around 50 percent but this one seems to be 63% according to this IndieWire article, uh, which is a near record high for film rentals for theaters, which has film film uh, film distribu- distributors, theater distributors, theater owners freaking out, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, right. Exhibitors. Uh, they're flipping out. But it is what it is, right? Like if you want to get back, pe- back people back in, in theaters, you need a big budget picture to do it. Tenet is obviously that picture. Warner Brothers seems to know what they're worth. Yeah, Uh Warner Brothers has all the clout here. They they have the bargaining chip. They have the fresh new content. This is a huge movie. Everyone wants to get, everyone wants to see. The other thing is that it's it's also going to lose money because it, you're not going to get the kind of numbers you were if you were at uh, you know 100 percent 
capacity, 100% theaters op- open. We we know that it's it's going to be reduced. So they're trying to kind of offset their their losses by asking more upfront from the theaters. Mm-hmm. It's 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 interesting, man. Like, and and their their requirements for how they're running this stuff on screens is interesting too. If you're running a single screen theater, like just one screen, if you if your theater is one screen and you want to run Tenant, you have to run it for four weeks straight. <laughs> you can't wow. run anything else. If you have two screens, five plus weeks. Yeah, three to eight, eight weeks. And if you're running over nine screens, you have to have you have to have Tenant in your theater somewhere for twelve weeks. Which is wild, three months, which is ninety days. I mean, that's that's how they do it, right? Um, but it's, I I don't know. It's it's weird. They 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 really do seem to understand. Hey, we're not doing what Disney did with the video on demand and Mulan thing. We're not putting this anywhere else. It is a theatrical release only, and by God, it's going to put people in seats. So we're getting a cut, and and I guess I respect that. Yeah, like I said, I mean, what is the theater going to do? I mean, they they have zero leverage. Uh, Again, Warner Brothers could always go to uh, video on demand if they want to. And, you know, I saw a comment that, that said, you know, what are the theaters going to do? Just keep showing classic movies like they, you can only live so so long on that. Right. Uh, Warner says here Warner Brothers also requires maximum theater marketing directed to publicizing tenant at no extra cost to studio, which means theaters better be putting out posters and running it on billboards. Like this is what we're doing. And also you got to have three trailers for upcoming Warner brothers films in front of tenant. Dude, they're running the gamut here. <laughs> they're, they're letting the world know. It's yeah. We own gangsters. this. Yeah. We own this town <laughs> street rules. Um, it's really, really interesting how they're doing this, but I mean, it is what it is. If you're determined to run a, the- a movie in theaters at a time when theaters aren't really open and theaters are going to open to run it, then by God, you're going to you're gonna command some respect, which seems to be what they're doing. And I, I, I suppose I respect it. So I'm excited to see it. It'll be good. Uh, but apparently not everybody's excited to see it in theaters. According to this article in Variety, uh, audiences still prefer to see Tenet and Wonder Woman 1984 in movie theaters. But most would be fine... Watching at home. Uh, this is a study, a survey that was done, right? right? What do you What do you know about this, Andy? Right. So th- uh, this article just came out today about uh, some research that was done in the last few weeks to seeing how people are reacting to uh, this twenty dollars rental fee versus seeing something in the theater, and it shows that even having to wait the full ninety days, three months uh, for a, n- a new hot new release like something like Tenet or Mulan. Uh, people will still largely will just wait uh, as as high as almost 50% of people will just wait at home. And now that number gets a little bit smaller um, or no, excuse me, it gets larger as, as that wait. Like if, let's say it's only 30 days, 17 days uh, that no, number only grows. So only 12% of people really want to see, see this in, in theaters. Um, and it, that's really shocking. Like I, I thought that would be a little bit, bigger number but apparently you know people just want to watch stuff at home new or not wait or not yeah and like you know you sent me this article and i started looking at it and kind of my first reaction looking at this is like is anybody surprised and i think if anybody's surprised it's probably you know warner brothers and tenet tenet uh but theater owners in particular i'm sure have to be concerned by stuff like this but it is what it is it's the age of streaming video we stream this show <laughs> like no nobody nobody wants to go to a theater to watch stuff anymore i think it's i think it's a unique experience but it's ultimately going to have to be just that a unique experience it's not something that's going to translate as well to just sit at home on the couch right um yeah this is this is showing I mean, like I said, like you said, people want want to watch stuff at home in the comfort they don't want, and and also uh, this 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 assumes uh, normal theater. This assumes this is like non pandemic. You know, this wasn't. Will you go in midst of the pandemic or while we're recovering from the pandemic? It's assuming we're past this. You mm-hmm. know, down the road, people still overwhelmingly would rather just watch at home. Yeah, uh, this this graph here is particularly interesting. They just had a, uh, eight, eight films that are coming up, things like Tenet and Wonder Woman, and they said, okay, would you rather see it in a theater? Would you rather see it in a theater, but you'd be okay with watching it at home if you had the option, or you want to watch it at home right now? And most people went in the middle, but like overwhelmingly, people would rather watch at home than in a theater. Like that just seems to be... Across the board, that's where people <laughs> they don't they don't want to leave. Well, and, and you know, in the second uh, kind of tier, there is is um, interesting where it says people they pref- they want to see it in the theater, but if they end up only seeing it at home, th- they're fine. 
Yeah. You know, so it's not like a diehard must see. It's also interesting that Top Gun was the the number one movie that people did want to see in in theater, along with uh, Fast and Furious Nine. That is intriguing. Uh, yeah, followed closely by No Time to Die, uh, the James Bond film. I think people like their big action, right? That's where they want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, not Mulan though, or Black Widow. <laughs> <Wonder What>? <laughs> <laughs> Which, which all have a trend that I don't want to talk about, but um. well, well, uh, well. For one thing, Mulan, uh, I think that's a skewed a little bit because we know it's coming out on, on Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, and Tenet, no one knows what to expect from Tenet. Whereas you you know with James Bond, Top Gun, Fast and Furious, you, you're familiar with those properties. You know what you're kind of getting, so you know that you need to see it on the big screen. Whereas I think Tenet is still so mysterious; people don't don't know whether or not it needs to be seen there. You know, I I, I think maybe it was. I want to say it was Steven Spielberg, but I hate to quote the man because he's kind of, he's a little whack nowadays, but I want to say it was Spielberg who said at some point in his life that theaters someday are going to be exclusive experiences, like for only like diehard cinephiles to go to and nobody else will go. It will not be like a really public thing. It'll be for people who are really particular. It's almost like going to a record shop and like data like this definitely suggests that might be in the future that that theaters are not going to be this mainstay widespread thing that they're going to be really auteur for like exclusive people that are really bent on the experience because for the price i mean in order to run one you, you compete with people watching stuff on their phones you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah how are you going to do it how, how are you going to reasonably price things and get people to get up and leave and come to the theater and pay the price of mission and buy concession to sit in a squeaky seat for two hours it's hard to do it can be done but man if there's anything that's turned people away it's the freaking pandemic and i'm not sure <laughs> how long it'll take to turn back you know what i mean yeah absolutely and you know we might get to a point where, yeah, it's basically we're only going to see blockbusters in theaters. Like we'll only see the big, which might be like one movie a month or every two months. Uh, the other thing, though, we might see is something like Alamo's done. They they have succeeded through lots of variety. So we might actually see lots more smaller films, more independent films, the those kinds of things. Things that you maybe wouldn't get as much uh, traction before. Sure. Yeah, and and things like retro screenings that have, have that have succeeded in bringing people out of their homes and into theaters despite the quarantine, including both of us on this show who left and went and saw old movies twice now, uh, Andy three times. I think he went and saw yeah. The Matrix, right? Um, so I don't know. I, I wish theaters wouldn't lean away from this stuff so much. I, I think there's a lot to be gained from what they're learning right now. Things like private screenings when somebody can book a whole theater for a hundred bucks or, or retro screenings and that stuff works and I think they shouldn't be afraid of it. So hopefully, um, I don't know, hopefully it sticks around because it's not so bad. Film is a time capsule. And yeah. speaking of capsules, uh, we need to talk <laughs> about very... our next film. Uh, Andy is going to be taking the summary on this one. Andy, please take it away. Project Power. Power, power, speak a little louder. If there was a pill, I'm you better money. I'm coming at the power. That could give you five minutes. Spit it so they get it. I'm embedded with the power. Pure power. I'm embedded with the power. Would you take it? So this is the new Netflix action film starring Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, this takes place in Louisiana and is kind of a superhero film of sorts. It's its unique take. Um, there's this new drug that's flooding the street called Power. And what happens is you take this pill and you get some random or some at seemingly random superpower, but you only get it for five minutes and you don't know what that power is going to be. Um, so it's it's kind of a dealer's choice, uh, Russian roulette of superpowers, and you only get it for a short time. Uh, this wasn't real clear from the trailer, but uh, these powers are based on like uh, animal evolution. So they're things like you know chameleon skin or temperature regulation or scales, these kinds of. So they're based on like animals, and you get the same power every time. So it's like you don't you may not know what your power is, but once you take the pill, you get the same power every time. Uh, so that that's kind of the the unique take. And this drug is flooding the streets, and criminals are using it to uh, commit crimes. And uh, Jamie Foxx is is searching for his daughter because she's kind of the key to all this. And Joseph Gordon Levitt is a uh, police officer who's trying to get behind who who's flooding the the streets. Meanwhile, they meet uh, this young uh, 
drug dealer named Robin, played by Dominique Fishback, who's, uh, I think, a first newcomer. Um, and so the this trio kind of teams up in a buddy cop way to take down the bad guys, uh, find find out what's happening with, with this drug, where it's coming from, where is it going, what what's the plan? And along the way, we get a lot of action. We we get some some good uh you know some good comedy, some some good uh just relationships between the three. Uh, so that's kind of what, what our setup is is about. Um, Zach, what do, what do you think of this? So this movie checks a lot of the like Netflix original film boxes that we've come to be very familiar with. Uh, it's very actiony. It's got some decent acting and definitely some good action. It's got kind of a fun plot and it's got some elements that I think are shared along a lot of these uh, movies that we'll talk about more. Ultimately, I think it has the potential to really fall into being just another Netflix action film. And in a lot of ways it is. But there's some things this movie does that are actually kind of cool. Um, it's got some good cinematography, decent acting. The, the concept by itself is simple and easy to understand. I think a lot of people can get behind it. In a lot of ways, it's a superhero movie that works. Um, so I'm anxious to talk about it. I don't love it. I do like it. Um, and that's what I think. Andy, what do you think? Uh, similar. It, it It is in the same vein as things like Extraction, as The Old Guard, where we have this... Uh, Netflix formula of star power, action, mediocre script, and, th- <laughs> and throw it throw it all together. And uh, you know, it, it's a good, it's the kind of movie that's good to watch while you're on your phone. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, like, big time. Like you put it on the background and scroll and chat with your friends. You, you know, so it, it's fun, it's relaxing. I do think that this is a step up from those two films. I, I think we do get really good performances from Joseph Gordon-Levitt and uh, Jamie Foxx. They're really good good in this. Uh, like most of the other stuff, the, the plot is a little nonsensical. It moves a little bit too fast. It jumps around a lot. Um, so it's not it's not great storytelling but it is visually a lot of fun uh the action is cool the the kind of these superpowers we see um this by the way this whole part with the fire guy that we're seeing in the trailer really doesn't make a lot of sense because again these things are supposed to be based on like animal powers and i don't know an animal that like can just burst into flames <laughs> like i think i think that's a huge plot hole but only for that uh, there's okay there's some plot holes in this film if you really want to go digging that's <laughs> sure. you know it's a netflix original film whatever and 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 you're right it's not supposed to be that right it's supposed to be very just kind of you don't think about it a whole lot lots of pretty lights and cool action and some fun lines from jamie fox um Damn. what's the best place to kind of dig into this um let's start with our cast i think our our cast is is really strong uh jamie fox is uh he, he's a man on a mission. He's trying to find his daughter who's who's wrapped up with the Project Power. Um, she's hinted at to be the key of kind of, of how they unlocked uh, all these abilities. So he's trying to um, find this company and hunt down whoever has has taken her. And then we have, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who, who's the kind of rough and tumble uh cop and he and he kind of is playing not playing both sides but like he'll take he's taken some of these these pills which you're not supposed to do to enhance and his ability is is like uh like like rhino skin basically or or scales or something gets like he can't he can't be shot um so so our cast is good we also have a couple of appearances by um Machine Gun Kelly, who seems to be in everything, but only for like five minutes. So, so I did a little research on Machine Gun Kelly. Um, apparently, he's good friends with like the te- the directors of this film. Who he's been in like their past three features. That's how he's in this. Like, uh, okay, yeah, he's they. It's like IMDb trivia. One of like the eleven on there is like Machine Gun Kelly is in everything these guys do. So that's why he's in this. He does. He's not. He's not anything outstanding. Um, yeah, uh, Jamie Foxx is a lot of fun. He plays this, like, former soldier, um, yeah, whose whose daughter is tied up in things, and, like, I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention, but, like, I kind of never really caught how, uh, she just is. I I never really got, like, how she's involved, or, I I think I understand why she's important, but I never understood, like, the process of how they derived power from her if they did or if she's just like part she's just tangled up in it i don't really know Uh, but he's looking for her so that's kind of protagonist a protagonist b like you said is joseph gordon levitt uh who is this cop who is not playing by the rules he says very early in the film the way i see it if criminals are going to use power to take out cops cops should use power to take out criminals which is great 
Except no other cop in the city believes that. So you're basically Batman. Like he's essentially a vigilante <laughs> at this point. Uh, somehow he avoids getting getting busted for using power, even though a good portion of his of his like division or whatever like sees him pretty much actively using it. Um, <laughs> but it's fine. And then we have Dominic Fishback, who is Robin, uh, a young aspiring rapper and also power dealer, who's working with Joseph Gordon-Levitt to weed out. She's basically a snitch. Um, where where the power's <laughs> coming from, right? I mean, yeah. that's yeah. Um, an informant yes yes uh at one point in the film she is wearing a jacket that is exactly in fact most of the film exactly robin's colors like robin the boy wonder um which is supposed to be very you know mm-hmm. look she's she's like a sidekick right um the three of them are really good dominic's very like you can tell she's very passionate about it this is her first big role joseph gordon levitt is pretty good he's doing this accent thing and jamie fox is a lot of fun because he's He's know, always intense. a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's fine. Um, ultimately, I think what I didn't like about the three of them is the film has three protagonists. It should have like two. Like I, three yeah. is a lot to juggle. And all of them have their own motivations and reasons for doing things. Robin's mom is sick and she's trying to get money to help her. So that's why she's dealing. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is trying to get this stuff off the street, but he's still <laughs> helping Robin who's dealing it and buying it and taking it from her. And then Jamie Foxx doesn't care about anything. He's just running around killing dealers, like, which is also bad. So like, it's just, it's just too much. You're juggling three balls and it should have been two. It should have been like a buddy cop film or Joseph Gordon-Levitt and, and Dominic Fishback. And that should have been it. I, I think three is a little much for this movie. Yeah, you, you got to cut one of the these uh, p- kind of plot threads. It's I, I think the the relationship kind of between Dominique uh, Fishback and Jamie Foxx works really well. There's a lot of good one one liners there. Yeah, J- like you said, Joseph Gordon Levitt is basically they're like this is my city. Like he's Batman. Basically. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. And and they're they're not kind of together throughout the film, and they have to awkwardly be forced to be together at the same time. Uh, which doesn't doesn't really work for me, but but I agree. That, like, there's a little bit too many. There's too many protagonists in this. Yeah, a, a little bit too much, and and that hurts it. But we do have a fine antagonist who's a project power like super dealer. I guess I, I forget the guy's name. Um, uh, but Rodrigo Santoro. Rodrigo Santoro. He basically serves as like the the suit wearing slick hair like. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, mom, manufacturer I'm the bad guy. <laughs> right yeah like very clearly the, t- the the cream of the bad guy crop right he's at the top <laughs> and he is selling this stuff to not only like drug dealers around the city but also like high bidders in the city because louisiana is chock full of those and i assume uh people who are like operating small armies and stuff and like mercenary units he's he's trying to sell to like the, he, this guy's just pushing anywhere he can right he's just he's just getting yeah. power in the streets um, he's kind of fun. Um, although ultimately he's not really the bad guy. The bad guy is going to be anybody who's jacked up on superpowers like machine gun Kelly and is like full up on fire that you have to deal with. So, uh, in a way he's almost a little boring, but you know, he gives you, he gives our protagonist something to run at. He's, he's what we're chasing. We got to get this guy who's putting power on the streets and stop him. Right. That's the whole Yeah. Thing. He's, he's, uh, he's underused and in my opinion. Yeah. He definitely could have, uh, done some more scene chewing. Uh, he's really great in, in Westworld is, is where I know him from most recently. Um, yeah, yeah. Just underutilized, but, but he, yeah, he's like, you know, the big bad or is he, you know, there's even bigger bads behind them. The whole, who's, who's the company. And then the whole reason that, that they're flooding the streets with this stuff is they're, they're trying to help, uh, do crime uh one, one of the good one of the better sequences in the movie is this bank robbery and the, the robber is uh like a chameleon and they go you know the police go into the bank and you know they don't see anything then all of a sudden you see the guy kind of crawl away from the, the wall and he's like blending in and then you have a really good fun sequence where he runs through the bank and through the streets and like his skin is changing color depending on, on what he's uh you know behind and so criminals are using this to you know help them do their crimes basically right and and obviously it's something people are going to chase after because not only is it this like super drug that lets you get away with anything but supposedly it gives you a really good high too and and what's interesting in the way project power kind of presents this stuff is its visual effects um when somebody takes power you get these like flashes of like stock imagery of like ink blots and like I don't know, magnifying glasses, looking at things, I, 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 irises like splitting into two and cells multiplying. Like 
you get just kind of this cool montage of things you get happening. The, re- the Requiem for a Dream. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as popularized in the film Requiem for a Dream. Uh, and then you get some kind of exterior change. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's like skin kind of starts to look like scales or something. Our chameleon bank robber kind of looks invisible, but not really. Machine Gun Kelly lights on fire. The effects for this stuff are really fantastic. You can tell they put a lot of money into it. It definitely jumps out at me versus something like The Old Guard, where people just get shot and fall over and then stand back up shortly after, after groaning. This is like... It really looks like a physical, visceral change. In the case of the effects on somebody like Machine Gun Kelly's character, who's on fire, that stuff looks great. Like, really good-looking effects. They clearly went to a lot of effort to make that happen. Um, and it, 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 it pays dividends. It, it really looks great in a Netflix original film. That stuff works. Yeah, like, it, it adds a, a whole level that's not there in something like Extraction and... Um, Machine Gun Kelly, uh, the old guard, yeah. Rather that that like you said is a bunch of fist fights and shooting, and we do have that in this film as well. But we we have these over the top superhero uh, effects, which, which do work pretty well. Like the, it is pretty cool. We do see some cool powers, and you never know. So every time you see a new person that you haven't met take the the pill, you don't know what what their ability is going to be, and so that, that's kind of a nice surprise. Yeah, and and in marketing the film, I've seen they've had like Netflix filters on instagram and stuff that'll cycle through what your power would be and like that's part of the fun right as people can watch this film and speculate ooh, what would it be like it's almost like it's almost like x-men right if you could have a superpower what would it be and that totally plays to like whatever netflix algorithm says hey this film is going to land among our audiences fund it and run it um obviously this is one of those things uh, and another thing i wanted to point out along with the visual effects and just like kind of the cinematography in this film it looks real good. I mean, if you're watching the trailers, we're running it on Facebook. A lot of the lighting in this film is really dynamic. Lots of colors, lots of hard lights, lots of, and it's, it's effective. And a lot of good camera work is in this stuff too, especially in the action scenes. You get a lot of like cuts to top down, slow motion, lots of pans and whips. And it just feels like a lot of effort was put into it. You know, it jumps out at me versus something like the old guard that just was all handheld and was all just a cameraman holding the camera for a couple takes. Like this really feels more paced and practiced and that stuff matters, at least to me, uh, maybe not to everybody. No, it, it definitely makes it more interesting. Like I said, the old guard felt like a TV series or the start of a TV series. Whereas this feels like a film. It, it feels like an open and shut thing. It's much more artistic. Artistic. It's um, just more more interesting to watch, and like you said, all those the cinematography choices and camera choices really add to that. Yeah, uh, there's a great sequence you should keep an eye out for uh, towards I'd say the end of the second act of the film. Uh, a woman takes take takes power, and she she turns into like ice. It's like some cryothermal thing, right? And she's in this like cylinder that keeps her warm, so she won't freeze over. Well, the cops show up and start shooting everything up, and it turns in this big shootout. The thing gets punctured and she starts to freeze over and the camera is kind of on her almost like there's a cameraman in the cylinder with her and as she freezes over the camera just kind of pans back over and continues watching the action scene but through the glass that she would see and it's like that for like a minute like it's like one effective long take thing it's just smart smart camera work smart smart direction smart production mm-hmm. like a lot of good storyboarding and a lot of good pre-production that goes into this stuff that a lot of these Netflix films just kind of seem to, seem to brush yeah, off yeah the the uh the sets look really good. Yeah. Like that, that, that they're shooting on and that allows the camera work to, to work as well. And like I said, it's in new Orleans in the city. Like it, you, you get a lot of shots of like the river and the bridges. So you like, you feel like, like it's the setting that it says it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, now we should talk about the script. Cause I, I agree with you. I think that's probably where like the main fault of this film is. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you want to start to break that down? So like like we said in the beginning, there's too many protagonists. There's three good guys, and they they don't all work together in the beginning. They have to awkwardly kind of be shoehorned in into a plot line that makes that puts them all together at once. And like you said, it would be cleaner if it was just two in, instead of three. The other thing, it just goes. There's a lot happening. It's like oh, we have to. There's power. We have to find out who's behind it. Oh, there's all these criminals. Oh, there's a evil organization. Oh, there's the, the daughter. Like it's it just it's hitting so. Much many beats and so much exposition in such a short time it doesn't really take its time yeah like i don't mean to say netflix films need to be more complex because not all of them do i think a lot of them are strong in their simplicity i think many films can be minimalism is is a point of design but 
this one just tries to go a little too far. I, I think the, the, the camera work is great. The directing is great. The lighting is great. The acting is great. The problem is, I think, three protagonists. Yeah, it's just too much. Everybody's got their own motivations. Everybody's trying to do their own thing. Uh, a fine example. Uh, at the beginning of the film, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is using Robin uh, as, a, as a snitch, essentially, and also buying power from her so he can fight bad guys. That's his whole thing. Uh, and when she goes missing at one point, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character runs into her mom and very quickly explains, I've been buying this stuff from your daughter who's dealing and we move right on to the next scene. And it's like, hold, stop. Like, that's not a real conversation. People don't actually talk like that. It's forced to make accommodations to move the plot forward that pull you out of the realism because... It's just too complicated. Like, I, I just somebody should have worked this over one more time and said, hey, we need to cut one of these protagonists, and I think it'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, like you said, it's too busy. There's too many people. There's a lot of good ideas, but it just... I always feel like everything on Netflix, the writers are just not given enough time. It, it's like the, the script is just... It's, you know, it's under deadline. It's rushed. They, they crank it out, and... Because uh, I think there's a lot of individual elements here that would work in a, you know, you could make a theatrical feature out of this, um, but it would take some real refinement. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think there's, there's, there's a lot with what's happening here. And I think it's definitely better than what's come before it. But ultimately, like it still falls in some of the same pitfalls that would keep it from succeeding, I think, in, in, in a theatrical release, which is why it's great for Netflix, I guess. So any other hot takes on this? We're ready to move on. I'm ready. Andy, uh, would you recommend Project Power? You know, I, I think I would. Um, it, it does fall into a number of, like you said, Netflix uh, pitfalls, but it's a lot of fun. There's good action. There's a lot. Uh, Jamie Foxx is great. He's always a great screen presence. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is fine. It's entertaining. It's fun. It's casual. You don't have to seriously pay attention. It's better than the other kind of Netflix action films we've seen, like Extraction, The Old Guard, Bright. Um, it, it's above those. It still has a long way to go, but overall, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I'd, I think I'd recommend it, too. I want to say normally, no, I wouldn't. Um, and I think if theaters were open, I'd probably be more quick to say, hey, there's other stuff you can see that's better. But if you're stuck at home and have nothing better to watch, you could do much worse as far as Netflix originals go. I'd put it above something like Bright. Definitely, I'd put it above something like The Old Guard. Um, it's action. It's adventure. It's a little, it's a little complicated, but not too much it's going to knock you off. It's just at some point you're probably going to notice you're not really paying attention to the plot and you're paying more attention to the action like I did. And maybe that's okay. I mean, maybe that's what this is supposed to be, but um, not bad, I guess. I'd be interested to see what this team does next. So yeah, that's probably right. power. And with that, we should probably move on to our next section of the show. Normally we talk about what's uh, killing cinema, but this week we're <laughs> a little shy on that. So uh, instead we're going to talk about some new trailers. Andy, you want to announce this? It's time for the trailer park. So we have a few new trailers today. We're going to start off with a new, somewhat new uh, trailer for The New Mutants. This place takes your greatest fear and makes you live through it. Ooh, scary. Uh, which is actually... I don't want to jinx it, but it's actually coming to theaters next week. Uh, not this Friday, but next Friday. This film has been delayed two and a half years. It was supposed to come out spring of 2018. It had numerous delays and reshoots and then was actually supposed to come out in March. Uh, but then coronavirus happened and so we're here. But it is actually going to kick off things along with Bill and Ted uh, face the music. This new trailer shows off a lot more of the effects of the film and it kind of has a much different tone. More horror, but also kind of shows off these powers that these mutant kids are supposed to have. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think we might have... T I think we've talked about this trailer before because this movie was advertised in like 2018 because it was shot in 2017. So it's weird saying it's coming out in 2020, but it is technically because it's being released in 2020 as a 2020 film. Regardless, it is a three-year-old movie before you've even gotten to see it. Uh, this trailer stood out to me because it is so different from every other trailer we've seen. Every trailer we've seen has been very subdued, very dark, very horror film kids kind of in an insane asylum 
we don't really know where it's going kind of thing. This one, however, is all neon lights, bright colors, <laughs> big powers, flames. You get to look at some kind of protagonists or antagonists wearing these masks. You get some some crazy effects. There's all kinds of stuff going on in this trailer. And when I see that, when I see such a drastically different trailer for a film that has had these delays and delays and delays, it seems to indicate what we've all been thinking already, that something probably doesn't work well in this movie. And at this point, they're just like, put it out in theaters, put the flashiest <laughs> effects on screen. We don't care who sees it or what it's about. Just just get it, get it out, get it done. And I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get <laughs> why. They can't just push it to a streaming service or just like quietly let it be its own thing. Like, I don't, I don't understand why they're trying to shove a square peg in a round hole here. You know what I think might be is that, uh, it's a brand thing, you know, uh, trying to save the brand and maybe it doesn't live up to the brand standards. The other thing is like, this is too dark for, I guess it's rated R. Is it rated R? It's, it's definitely, I think it too, was at one point. I, I it, think it's, it's PG too dark now. for, for Disney plus. So it would have to come out on on Hulu, and that might, yeah, maybe. Is it, I don't know it's hard to it's hard to see. It seems like a losing proposition, no matter what you do, um, and maybe there just wasn't a, a real great place for it. Yes, it is rated PG thirteen, and it's an hour and thirty eight minutes, which is a tight edit. So they are not messing around. Yeah, it used to be. I feel like it used to be R. At some point, I feel like this was a rated R film. There's been multiple posters. There's been multiple trailers. Like this movie's had the weirdest release. I mean, it's like as old as our podcast at this point. Like it is the it is the weirdest release for a film in recent memory, especially considering the star power. Because like. When this was hot, when they made this, we had Charlie Eaton from Stranger Things and and I forget her name from Game of Thrones and Anya Taylor-Joy, who's just on the up from The Witch. Like, we have a really strong young cast here. But now we've kind of let all that slide and now we're past it. And it's like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's happening in this movie. We're going to have to see it and find out because something fundamentally is wrong. I'm convinced. I will not go into this movie with fresh eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will dislike it no matter what. Um, well, and like you said, fun. it's it's surprising as many things that have been pushed to streaming services. Like uh, we had those comedies, Coffee and Cream, and The Lovebirds were, were pushed to Netflix. Uh, we've had, you know, even pushed it to pre, you know premium premium video on demand. Uh, for some reason, that wasn't an, an option. So we've seen uh, Mulan has been pushed to Disney Plus, but for some reason, New Mutants has to come out in theaters. Maybe there's there's something in the deal. Maybe it's something somewhere. But uh, it's it's coming to theaters. Yeah, it's it's weird, man. I feel like I've I've heard. I want to say I've heard a couple members of the cast talk about it in interviews. Somebody said, "Hey, what's going on with New Mutants?" And they're always like, "I don't know. Like, I have no idea when that movie's coming out. I we shot it three years ago. I don't know anything about it. You know, it it, it is what it is. I, I feel like it's who knows. We're just gonna well, have to see. We're just the one guy see. from Stranger Things, like his 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 like. 15 minutes have come and gone when like, yeah. this would have been great. Like Exactly. That's what I mean. Like Ga Game of Thrones was still on when they shot this movie. Like, oh my God, like you totally could have cashed in on that. It, it just didn't happen. Like between the 20th Century Fox Disney buyout, like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. So we'll have to, we will see it for the show. I think not this week, but the next week after it will be coming out. So we'll see it. We'll review it. Stick around on Offscript for more, and we'll tell you all about it. The next film we need to talk about is a trailer for a movie called The Devil All the Time. Happy birthday, Happy Arlen. birthday, honey. Happy birthday to you. Well, this was your daddy's. Brought back from the war. And I'd love to talk about this one, but to be honest, I don't really know what's happening in it. Um, I'm hoping Andy can fill in the blanks. As far as I know, it is based on a book. Uh, Tom Holland, our, our young, formerly known as Spider-Man, uh, is going to be playing a character who is a, in a small backwards town, backwoods town, I should say, uh, opposite Robert Pattinson, who plays a preacher. Um, and apparently there's some like backstabbing and bad stuff happening. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a lot going on. This is an incredible cast. So we have, you said Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Jason, Bill Skarsgård is in this Bill Skarsgård, Jason mm -hmm. Clark, Eliza Scanlon, um, uh, Riley Keough. Uh, 
incredible cast, and and it, it's almost one of these Southern Gothic thing where there's you know uh, Robert Pattinson is kind of this like slimy uh, preacher, Mia Wasikowska as well. Yep. Um, you have uh, oh Sebastian Stan as well. <laughs> like yeah. Uh, so you have like there's police, there's the preacher, there's uh, you know Tom Holland who does who doesn't trust anyone, and it, it's just like. Uh, kind of uh, reminds me a little bit of uh, something like True Detective, the first season. Of it. There's this back, backwoods uh, place. We don't know what's going on, but it seems like there's murder, there's intrigue, there's betrayal, like all these kind of, <laughs> of dramatic elements. Um, it looks incredible, but yeah, it's hard to say what it's actually about. We know that Tom Holland's father was in, in the war, but he wasn't necessarily a, a good guy, World War II specifically. Yeah. Um, it's hard to see what this is really about or what to expect, but uh, man, it looks good. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested um, in what's happening in this movie because when you have a big cast like that, it makes you wonder: okay, who's getting the most screen time? Who are protagonists and antagonists, and how do you balance that with such a star-studded cast? Right, that's that's going to be a challenge for any movie that's got a lot of good people in it, and this movie does. I'm excited to see Tom Holland playing something that's not Spider-Man. Because, like, that guy is getting a reputation for just being, like, kind of one note. And he's not. He's done a lot of other stuff. I think he's done a lot of theatrical stuff uh, over in, in the UK. Um, but that's how we know him here in America. So I'm excited this is going to be a Netflix original film where he's playing something against type, which will be good. Uh, Robert Pattinson, I'm excited to see because I'm all about Robert Pattinson nowadays. Unfortunately, in this trailer, he's featured in, like, two sets he's in a church almost every scene except for once when he's in a car otherwise i think that's it so i don't know how much he's actually in the movie he may be in it for like 15 minutes and that's it i have no idea um i don't know a lot about this movie but i do know that the cast looks interesting it's coming to netflix i don't know i i i think there's some good some good potential for this to be good stuff but we'll see it could yeah, be it's it, it's has all the parts but it does have the netflix name in front right of it. yeah right at the say it'll either be something something passing like the old guard or it'll be something awesome like mudbound that we see and we love but everybody else misses and, and nobody sees i don't know um but it's certainly got the star power so keep an eye on the devil all the time it'll be coming out sometime this year i'm not, I'm not actually sure when maybe it says at the end of the trailer so yeah uh, and then one more trailer to talk about. Andy, you found this movie earlier today. No, that's right. Uh, binge. Good morning, American High. America, a few years from now. Prosperous, clean, and sober. Except one night a year when all drugs and alcohol are legal. For the binge. Uh, so this is the a new Hulu comedy uh, that's coming out, and this, it's kind of a parody of The Purge, uh, of course, the horror movie where for one one day out of the year for twelve hours, murder and all crime is is legal. So this is sort of in that same thing, but uh, the crime it's just drugs and alcohol are le- legal, all drugs, all alcohol, and so this is like a high school comedy, and where they have this like purge day where everyone is just gonna do do drugs and and party, and so it's kind of like a super bad meets the purge. Uh, stone it looks kind of like a little bit like a stoner comedy coming of age story uh, we see some some people that were actually in um book smart which i actually just rewatched the the other day um a couple of the actors from from that and are 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 kind of teen actors that you know their parents don't want them to go out but they they end up um you see in the tra- trailer here they drug their parents <laughs> so they can go out and and party and uh, talk to girls and and have fun and like i said it's a it's a parody uh, of of the purge about partying in in high school it, it looks it looks fun um I, like i said i really like palm springs uh, the last hulu comedy that we saw and uh that's kind of what this is about what do you think of this uh i think you're right it is it is exactly the purge formula like I said, it, it it doesn't even try to hide it it just kind of says straight up this is one night at one night out of the year where you can do this thing you can't normally do that that is straight up purge 101 it's also got like that american pie element like that like the classic early 2000s like teenage stoner boner comedy road trip flick like yeah. same kind of thing we we gotta get to the party with the with the booze so i can get with the girl right it's so stupid and it's a bunch of gags but you know, for for a, for a Hulu film, for a movie you watch at home, I, I think this stuff lands great. I, I think this lands better than something like Project Power, right? It's goofy. It's probably got some laughs. Mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn has a stupid mustache in it. 
what's the worst that could happen? So I'm into it tentatively. We'll probably end up watching it for the show. It looks cheesy, but like it seems to wear that on its sleeve. It doesn't seem to like shy away from the fact that this is a goofy teen comedy. It's exactly what it's supposed to be. So I, I, I guess I can get behind that. And and while I'm at it, before we get too far away from goofy comedy, Andy, how's, how's Booksmart hold up? Because that movie's cool. <laughs> It, that movie gets funnier and better on every re- rewatch. It's, a good movie. it's it's really it's really funny, and I watched it with someone who hadn't seen it, um, and they were cracking up the whole time. Like it, it's really it really holds up. It's got a great soundtrack too. Yeah, yeah, Booksmart's good. We did we reviewed Booksmart back when it came out, but if you're listening to the show and you never saw Booksmart, go go check out Booksmart. Hulu like maybe I think has it. The, there's yeah, it's on Hulu. There's so many great scenes where like they're peeling out in the car. There, there's a, a lot of scenes with great driving and soundtrack behind it. Oh, dude, Billy Lord is, like, great in it, mm-hmm. <laughs> which you wouldn't expect. She's super funny. Yeah, Booksmart's really good. Anyway, uh, now that we've moved past teenage coming-of-age films, let's talk about another teenage coming-of-age film. Uh, I don't actually know if our protagonist is a teenager in this film, but I'm going to be taking the summary on this one. The movie is The Peanut Butter Falcon. There's sheep in this world, and there are wolves in this world. And I know that you two boys are just two weary travelers who lost your way. So, we're going to clean you up right with a baptism. I'm more of a baptism by fire type. Okay. So, The Peanut Butter Falcon is a coming-of-age film, haha, uh, starring Zach Gottsagan, who is a young actor with Down Syndrome. Uh, he is the star of our film. He plays Zach, who is a young man who is living in a retirement home because he has no family or friends in the state of Louisiana, I think where they are, North Carolina? I think they're North, North Carolina. North Carolina, yeah. North Carolina, uh, to take care of him. Uh, Eleanor, uh, a young aide uh, played by Dakota Johnson, uh, is at the facility he's at, but ultimately can't really watch him. She just kind of takes care of him when she can, but it is what it is. But he wants to get out, and he has this VHS tape of a wrestler called the Saltwater Redneck, uh, who says, I got this wrestling school in North Carolina. Come come visit me and I'll teach you how to be a wrestler and be a man. And Zach, Zach wants that. So with the help of his nursing home roommate, played by Bruce Dern in a surprising <laughs> cameo appearance, uh, he escapes one night and stumbles into Tyler, who is played by Shia LaBeouf, a young man on the run with no real prospects, uh, who used to be a former crabber and fisher, who's now going down to Florida, to try to figure his life out. The two of them take off on the road, uh, end up building a raft and floating down a river right out of Mark Twain's Huck Finn um, to find themselves, find their fortune, and ultimately become something more than they currently are. Uh, the Peanut Butter Falcon came out last year uh, and, and got a lot of accolade, especially for uh, Zach's portrayal in the film um, because he's fantastic in it. Uh, and, and, and Shia LaBeouf at a time when he wasn't really making movies. Um, also worth noting, they filmed this in Georgia and one night during filming on location, uh, he got busted by the cops for being too hammered and got <laughs> hauled off to jail. So that's where Shia LaBeouf was when they were making this movie. But regardless, uh, it's... Definitely a coming-of-age, kind of heartwarming adventure film. Uh, Andy, what did you think of... I should say it's on Hulu. What did you think of The Peanut Butter Falcon? Um, So, I enjoyed this for the most part. Um, I think a lot of it, it works. It's a really sweet story. This, like you said, kind of Mark Mark Twain, Huck Finn, uh, going up, up up the river um a little bit of a, of a fairy tale you i did have to kind of suspend belief uh a little bit in some places because it kind of how everyone meets up is is a little unlikely there's a lot of con- coincidences that are a little too convenient um but it's a, it's a sweet story uh zach gotzigan is is really good and i i was listening to an interview where uh they, they were saying that the director saw him at a there was a camp for uh actors with with down syndrome and they saw him and they said they said he was really good it had a lot of real like bravado and screen presence and uh, then they wrote this film with, with him specifically um in mind the setting is is really convincing like you feel like you're there on the it's not the swamp, but it, it's like the the coast, the 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 bayou, the wetlands uh, kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. Shia LaBeouf. I mean, he looks like a crabber. He looks like he's he's lived. He's a man who lives off off the land. Um, so the the setting is really convincing, and and it's really sweet. You know, um, Zach has this this dream uh, of being a wrestler and going to this wrestling camp. He watches this video over and over and over, and just wants to get out. And you know, it and it's. 
he's in this unfortunate situation where he's living in a uh, an old folks home he's not an old folk and he uh, he doesn't really belong there, but the, the state doesn't really know what to do with him, and he's been abandoned. Uh, and that's kind of where Dakota Johnson comes in, is she has to, you know, she's his ward. She has to figure out how, you know, she's trying to get him back as she's more or less responsible for him. Yeah, um, our, our kind of... <laughs> Whereas the last film had three protagonists and we were like, it doesn't work. It's too complicated. This film essentially has three protagonists uh, and and it does work. Um, but how it does that is it really focuses on one. Like really the journey is Zach's journey and our two side characters are kind of the angels on his sh- angel and devil on his shoulder, I should say. Right. We've got Tyler who is not a particularly happy person and has kind of done some bad things to people to get where he's at and has lost everything. Who's saying, Hey, you know what? You can be whatever you want to be. Come with me. We'll figure it out. And you've got Eleanor played by Dakota Johnson. Who's like, no, you need to play by the rules and we'll figure this out together, you know, but you don't have to run away from home and be homeless to, to get somewhere. And ultimately finding him, him kind of finding where he wants to be on the way is what makes this movie so heartwarming. Um, because he's, he's, he's very, I don't want to say particularly, he's very resilient. Um, it, it, let's, let's jump into the plot a little bit just so we can get there. Um, our, our, our plot, we open with, uh, Zach at, at the home. Yeah. Like you said, watching his saltwater redneck video and he's got his saltwater redneck poster. It's all he's got in the world. It's all, it's all he's got. And he breaks out of the prison out of the prison, out of, out of the home, like out of, out of, right out of one flew out of the cuckoo's nest, like, like squeezes through the bars covered in soap in his underwear. It's ridiculous. And he runs into Tyler, escapes on his boat when Tyler's getting out of town. And the two of them just kind of get along from there. And, and as they start working the way down the river, Eleanor uh, is tasked by her boss, the guy who runs the home to go find this kid. They don't call the state. They don't say, Hey, we're reporting a missing man with down syndrome. Nope. He just sends an aide on a multi-day journey to go look for him, which is incredibly illegal and would not work. And that's really where the, that's really where the movie starts to require yeah, you to suspend disbelief. Exactly. There's when you start thinking about the logistics and the legalities specifically involved in the, in this sort of uh, situation, uh, a lot of these things wouldn't, would not play out. No. Cause uh, Eleanor does find him about halfway through and she doesn't bring him back where in reality she would, but you got to kind of just go with the flow and just kind of, go along with the journey. Yeah, and, and and for me that was a little frustrating only because it makes this seem more like a fairy tale and less like a possibility and and I don't want that for our characters, right? Like I want them to feel real. You want them to feel like people you could talk to and interact with and this makes it feel like they're not that. But even still, putting that aside, um, she kind of joins them on their journey and the three of them take off down the river to, to figure out, hey, let's go find this saltwater redneck guy and put Zach in wrestling school. It's what he wants to do. It's what he's going to be. He's going to be the, the the peanut butter falcon. That's the name of his wrestler, hence the name of the film. The name of his wrestling persona, I should say. Um, and and I, I think it's good for what it does. Like, I, I, think, I think it works um, for what it is, but it's incredibly simple that way. Um, it is not too complex. We don't have any kind of action or chase scenes or anything. Even when they get caught by Eleanor, it's like one scene where they talk about it and then they're back to floating down the river. Like, there's not a whole lot to it. I mean, I, even, even so much as like how they connect, Zach and, 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 and Tyler, Shia LaBeouf's character, there's not a whole lot of big conversations. It's mostly imagery because the two of them don't talk a lot because Zach doesn't talk a lot. He's a quiet kid. So I don't, I don't know. I think it's, it's heartwarming in that way, but also non-traditional. Yeah. There's this nice kind of a brotherly element where um, Shia LaBeouf is essentially playing, playing the older brother to uh, Zach's character. And and we learn through Shia's backstory that he had an older brother who's no longer with us. Um, and he, you know, so he's kind of uh, filling that that gap there. Like you said, there are some some reality things that kind of uh, jump out at me. Like at the beginning of the film, Shia LaBeouf's character Tyler is he's st- he's like robbing crab pods, and then he also sets someone's crab s- hardware on fire. So I was like, "You're an he's he's an arsonist. Like <laughs> he's on the run. Yeah, like, like he's a thief and an arsonist at this point. Like yeah, there's nothing, there's exactly. nothing redeemable. And you're just supposed character. to kind of ignore that. And and there is kind of another subplot where the, the people who whose stuff he sets on fire chase him, uh, played uh, brilliantly by uh, John Hawks and Yellow Wolf, um, who are also chasing him down down the bayou. But that's like he, he's not. He doesn't start out as like a good character, and he and he like." he means well but he's also like 
he's kind of a criminal on on the run, and the movie just kind of glosses over that, you know. And so, and as does everyone else, including Eleanor, which I was like, I don't think she would do that in real life. Oh my God, that actor's name actually is Yellow Wolf. You're not kidding. I think he's a rapper uh, or something. My, Michael Atha is his actual name, according to IMDb, but he goes by Yellow Wolf, so that's what he's credited with in the film, as we will call him here. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was interesting. There, there's a couple of characters in pursuit of Tyler. They're chasing him throughout the whole film. A couple of guys whose crab pots he burned. And when they finally catch up to him, there's this great scene where they have this big showdown. Ultimately, Zach saves him. It's okay. But as they leave, they say, hey, you know, you're not the only one who's struggling out here. Like, everybody's got to get by, and, like, you totally burned us. Like, how are we supposed to eat now? And, like, that's never really addressed. Yeah, and it just I kind of wish glosses. it happened, because that's interesting. Like, it's a good, that's a good point. He totally screwed those guys, you know? Like, what are they going to do now? Yeah, um, yeah, I was going to say those guys are made to be the bad guys, but, I mean, he's the one, yeah, who torched their stuff, and they're trying to, like, get revenge or yeah. get him back, you know, for it. And in that way, I think the movie kind of makes a statement that like, hey, everybody's human deep down and we're all redeemable. And I totally get that. But at the same time, yeah, Tyler's not a great dude. <laughs> yeah, like th- there would be some re- there would be some real world consequences for right. the things he's done. Like when when his caretaker arrives, Eleanor, to take Zach back and he outright refuses, like, I'm not letting you do that. That's kidnapping at this point. Like you just added another <laughs> yeah. thing to it and you're homeless. So you have no resources. Any- like it's just. It's weird, but at the same time, it's nice because I don't see a whole lot of films about homeless people who have a mission, who have somewhere they're trying to go. And, and I think in that way, this makes for a kind of road trip film that's different, right? It's certainly different from something like The Binge. It's, it's, it's heartwarming and it's unique because it feels so human and it feels so possible. Anybody can make this journey. Anybody, you know, if you, if you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, even if you have nothing, you can hit the road and you can get on the river and float down and maybe you'll figure something out about life. And I think that's, that's really cool. Um, I don't think we really need to cover our cast cause we've already talked about him. Shia LaBeouf is actually really good in this. Zach Gottsagan is pretty fantastic, especially being his first feature. Um, and Dakota Johnson is, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen Dakota Johnson, anything I didn't like her in, you know what I mean? She's kind of yeah, good in everything. That's true. I'm a little bit bothered that, that she is. So her character is like a, she's a college graduate, you know, she's a social, social worker and you know, she ends up getting Shia LaBeouf and her develop this romance. And I feel like this is really a, um, another thing that's kind of unlikely. Like, like she's way too <laughs> smart for him, like, like not homeless for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I so I feel like that that that's kind of a, a trope of like you know the the smart successful woman falls for like the homeless gruff guy mm-hmm. who's essentially uh, a criminal. Yes, like you can you can tell kind of early on when when the three of them are traveling, it seems a whole lot like these two are going to kind of be this unlikely couple, um, and that's a little frustrating just because it's like that would never work in a hundred million years. I'm sure they'd be friends, but like. I have to call the police like yes like I yeah why why wouldn't her first move be be to call the cops or use her cell phone at any point in this film which she only does once to call her boss like two days after she finds Zach which now he's been missing for like almost a week and she's like hey I found him we're not even in the state anymore like we're floating down the river yeah (laughs) how how did she so aside you really got to push all that to the side because this movie is not trying to make any any claims that it's doing anything um that legitimately makes sense. Ultimately, it's supposed to be a film about how you feel, right? And, yeah, and about it's, it's, growth. It's and about this, like, mi- like a family of misfits or yes. a misfit family. And this this kind of idea, idealic myth of the hero, which is played up a little bit in the climax of the film with this kind of um, super heroic act um, that I guess you'll have to watch to see what I'm talking about. A, a, a feat of strength, unlike any I've ever seen, I should say, in a film. Um, what I do want to talk about before we move off of this, uh, I, 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 something that is almost as much a character as it is a place, uh, the settings in this film. This film was shot almost exclusively outdoors, and it looks great. It's tons of wide cameras. They shot out in Georgia a lot and out in the Carolinas. Um, mm-hmm. And it looks so good, man. It's all natural light. It's all natural wind. It's all sunsets and horizons and, and like wide shots and big pans. And like, it looks real good. It really gives you this feeling of like adventure, like you're out in the world. You know, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I think the setting is probably one of the strongest parts of the, of the movie. It really makes you feel like you're there. I, I keep wanting to, th- 
think that it's in in like Louisiana. I keep wanting to say the Bayou. It's not the Bayou. It's the wetlands. Yeah. It's the beach. But uh, again, it, it it's really convincing. Like they're it it's a little bit like the Odyssey. They're on this journey. They're going down the river. They're going through fields. Yeah, and and it and it looks great. Like it it, it really, I don't know. It checks all those boxes for like a, a a hero's journey, which is essentially what we're taking. Um, and it feels good, you know, for 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 a small 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 film with a small plot, a uh, small runtime. I think it's what ninety eight minutes or something. And and the small cast, it works. Like it doesn't have to be anything bigger, right? It doesn't have to be this big grand show. It doesn't have to have these complicated set pieces and really complex lines of dialogue like it's super simple and and mm-hmm. it's it's fun and it, it, it's good for a laugh um it's got a lot of heart ultimately and i think that's what that's what works the most in the film outside of um i, I don't know i don't really know what doesn't work other than, <laughs> than plot conveniences yeah other than ignore reality for a little bit yes ignore the fact that these guys would be incredibly sunburned from being out in the sun 24 <laughs> 7 and have no money and at some point somebody would call the cops on them and yeah you'd be totally fine uh, anything else you want to talk about in this film? I think I'm ready. I think I am too. Uh, Andy, would you recommend The Peanut Butter Falcon? Yeah, I think I would. It's it's a really sweet film. It it has good performances. Shia LaBeouf is is really good. Um, I actually noticed. So he has a scar on on his face that he put there from um, the movie Glory, where he he was like a tank operator and he like cut into his face so he would have this like real life scar and now he has like it's just there it's like on what? his face forever where's the scar hold on I didn't it's this. it's like uh it's on one of his cheekbones okay but um yeah it's there from like four movies ago uh <laughs> it, anyways but good performances uh great performance by newcomers at Gotsigan and a really positive portrayal of someone with downs in in the film that isn't isn't like a joke is a real character has real like motivations and hopes and dreams and and all those things um it's a nice movie it's really positive you do got to suspend belief a a little bit um but overall yeah highly recommend yeah it's one of those movies you don't look at too hard with your head and you more pay attention to with your heart and in that way i think it it succeeds i'd recommend it as well Uh, it's sweet it's a sweet movie. It's a feel-good flick. It's a good reminder. It's one of those movies that reminds you that, like, no matter where you're at in life, you'll always get by. You know, like the resilience of the human spirit kind of thing. Don't be afraid to reach, reach for your, reach for the stars, accomplish your goals, um, and all that's good. I don't mean to brush it off like it's not important, but <laughs> we're at the end of we're at the end of the show and I'm starting to run out of steam. So I like it a lot. Is what I'm saying. It's available on Hulu. You can watch it anytime. Uh, it's it's worth it. It's worth it's worth 98 minutes. Not so bad. Easily a movie you could watch with your friends, watch with some family, watch with your parents. I don't know. It's not bad. Not a bad movie. Peanut Butter Falcon. And with that, uh, we should wrap up the show. Andy, what are we watching next week? So exciting next week. Uh, Inception 10th anniversary is is this summer and uh, Cinemark is going to be showing a uh, special anniversary editions with I think might have some tenant footage or a featurette or something uh, coming out next week and uh, that's going to be an IMAX as well so Zach and I are, are going to catch that and then we're also going to be watching Queen and Slim which is the the film starring Daniel Kaluuya and Jody Turner-Smith um which I don't remember a lot. There are a couple on the run there. It's a little bit like a Bonnie and Clyde uh, situation. And that's coming out on HBO Max this Saturday. Yeah, so I'm excited for both of these. I'm excited for Inception because I haven't seen it in a theater in 10 years. Man, when this movie came out, I was working at a movie theater, which is nuts to me. Um, and I have my whole life ahead of me. Look where I'm at now. Uh, and also, uh, Queen and Slim is going to be good. Queen and Slim, I was excited to see. And this is one of those movies that like I forgot came out. Because it came out towards the end of last year and we were right around Oscar season, so we didn't get a chance to see it. And then by the time this year rolled around, it wasn't really out anymore. And then coronavirus happened and somewhere along the way, I was like, did that movie ever actually come out? It did. And it's going to be on HBO Max so we can watch it. I'm excited to check that out. Are you particularly stoked about either of these? Dude, I am so excited for Inception. I saw Inception, I think, I saw it three times in the theater. I think I saw it three times within like two weeks when it came out. Uh, I saw it by myself and then i saw it with two d- different people uh i couldn't stop going on about it all summer it was it was just like it blew blew my mind it was mind-blowing um and i and i saw it in a regular theater i didn't see it in imax so i'm excited to see it 
and have my eardrums blown out in IMAX. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I saw it, I think, three times when it came out. And I was working at the movies, so I got free tickets. So anybody I could get into that theater, like any of my friends, I was like, I will get your ticket. You just got to come see it with me. It's amazing. And a lot of people were like, I don't know. I heard it was confusing. I was like, nah, that's dumb. Just go, just come see the movie. It's great. And the third time I went and saw it, the last time I saw it in theaters, I had an ear infection because we'd gone to the lake previously. And I had my friends like wheel me in on like NyQuil and, and Vicodin or whatever I was taking. And I fell asleep like 20 minutes into it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and woke up at the end of the movie and I was like, damn, I missed the whole thing. But it was it was still cool. So I saw it two, two and a third times uh, in theaters. So I'm excited to see it again. Uh, if you enjoyed the show today, you can check out our website, offscriptfilmreview.com. We're on Facebook where we live stream the show every Tuesday afternoon slash evening when we do it. We're on Instagram. We're even on Twitter. And our full shows are posted on YouTube as well, along with all your favorite podcast distributors. If you like listening today, the best way you can support us is just subscribe. Subscribe to the show so you can get new episodes every single week. And if you want to go the extra mile, throw us one of those rating and reviews on your favorite platform. Would you please? Five stars. It's weird. The four, the three, the two, and the one don't work. You have to press the five. You have. Can only I don't, do five Yeah, stars. it's the damnedest right. thing. Let me tell you. Uh, and just tell us what you thought of the show. Just like one sentence, a couple words. Just say, hey, nice job. It was lame. I don't care. Just give us a little something. It helps us in the the, the, the great algorithm in the sky, I guess. Uh, email us at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com to drop us some correspondence. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Let us know what you think of these movies or what we're going to be watching or maybe recommendations for what we should watch in the future. You can hit us up on Facebook as well. Comments, messages. We'll take all that stuff. We'll read it live on the air when we've got it. So write us in and we're excited to do it. From all of us at Offscript, the home of Bold Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for watching.